Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Ash Fazula. Ash has worked with Edwards and Associates for a little over a decade now. One of the questions that we constantly get from our offices is what's happening in the marketplace. And dentistry is so interesting. It's so myopic in in and there's so much competition and I think we all tell little <laughs> lies about how big we are, how small we are, how much money. Right. And and that definitely happens in dental. I agree. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about the benchmarking that you guys do and what where you're seeing some of the industry at today. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, as always, of course. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you actually have clients that are asking you these questions because that tells me that these clients are proactive and they look at the numbers because really what differentiates a regular practice, you know, just a regular clinician owning a business versus a business owner owning a business is someone who pays attention to his or her numbers. And that's where the benchmarks come in. So basically what these are, are percentages of each category of your expenses. Um, so you basically look at your practice as a whole and you categorize your expenses and you look at them month by month or quarter by quarter, and then you compare them against um, national or industry averages. And then you see if you're within range or not. Okay. Um, dental specific financial advisors or CPAs are able to help you with that. Um, Edwards and Associates, we specialize in that, we do that. Um, there are certain categories that need more attention and focus than some of the others. Um, and again, these numbers are uh, dynamic numbers, so to speak. So what I mean by that is, let's say in one year, it's one benchmark doesn't mean the same benchmark will apply to the following year. So it's important to be able to keep up with that, right? And especially for us, you know, being on the uh, service provider side, we have to stay on top of those percentages. So I think it's important to stress that we are currently recording mid 2023. So the numbers that I'm going to be sharing with you are as of that time frame. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I would, would imagine labor is uh -huh. higher uh -huh. than the, yeah, labor being the big one that's probably substantially higher in 23. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, see, when we talk about labor expense, there are multiple components within just that category, right? It's not just wages. We're talking about payroll taxes, um, fringe benefits, if your practice is offering them. So right now, when I'm going to be telling you the numbers, it's strictly regarding payroll expense, like the wages plus payroll taxes. And it should be around 30 to 33% of your collections. Now, you're right. And that's backing and, out the doctor. That, that's not including the doctor pay, correct? That is staff. Correct. Uh, that is correct. Service. That, is right. correct. Gotcha. that is correct. That is correct. And it is important to understand that when you're looking at these numbers, it, it, so this is this particular category. I mean, honestly, I wasn't going to talk about labor first because this one is a little tricky and I'll tell you why. Because some of the other categories, you have more control over adjusting it. Payroll is one of those things like right now, let's say if the market, your hygienist, DFW, if they're asking for $55 an hour and you agree to it later, let's say you're thinking, oh, no, you know, my hygiene department expense is too high and want to reduce it. You can't really because it's you're going to break the morale. I mean, I've never heard of that where you tell an employee that, oh, I'm going to, you know, give you a pay cut just because times are hard. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> and if you did, it was it was it was only in the bad in the bad version of the story. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but there are ways around it. I mean, really, if you still want to have some flexibility there, there are other ways of going about it where you incorporate a bonus system, because the bonus system is incumbent upon the collection percentages. So. Uh, the more you're collecting, of course, the bonus would be higher. The less you're collecting, you can adjust that accordingly. So that still gives you some control over this thing that seems like, oh, I, I have no control over, right? So that's labor. The other part, and this is the big one, uh, the down supplies and lab fees combined uh, before used to be around 13%. However, with uh, dentists being in every other corner, a lot of the dentists are opting to do uh, a lot of the bigger cases. Right, so clear liners and whatnot. And if they don't have the proper equipment within their practice, a lot of times they're sending it out to labs, and consequently those lab fees go above that threshold that you usually see. Right. So these days, realistically speaking, even though this goes against some of the industry standards, it can go up to 10% of the lab fees portion, especially if you don't have a milling machine within your practice, um, and that's okay because expenses such as lab fees and dental supplies. Um, equate to higher revenue generally in a mm -hmm. well-functioning practice. Um, marketing is another so, area that you need to. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, real quick. So, on lab fees, you were saying up to ten percent you would find within band, and somewhere between around six percent on supplies. Is that so? Supplies what you're typically we like to see within four to six percent, and it four should still be that. Yeah. And again, I'm talking about a general dentist who's collecting about a million dollars a year, right? Mm -hmm. um, probably has at least four operatories equipped, right? Has a hygiene department, has a hygienist on payroll. Um, so yeah, so down supplies, roughly four to 6%. Lab fees, typically we say seven-ish to 9%, but again, it can go up to 10%. Um, depending on, you know, what kind of procedures you're doing within the practice. Marketing is interesting, right? Um, this, honestly, again, we say try to stay within 2 to 5%, but it, this, this will really depend on where you're at, right? So if you're during the early stages of your practice, you know, where you could really use that, and especially if you have a lot of competition around you, um, and if you're in a major city, you may need to put in more. Um, and again... And that's also other factors there, too. Like, is it a startup practice? Are you taking over an existing practice when you're taking over the existing practice? Are you keeping the DBA name with the reviews that are already there on Google? There are just so many factors. So that's why this range is much broader. But let's say if you're an established practice, right, um, that's currently operating at with those numbers, right, a million-dollar practice, <laughs> three to four operatories uh, equipped um, with a fully functioning hygiene department, then, yeah, 2 to 5% is what we typically see. And that's within range, I would say. Okay. A, a lot of that depends on fee-for-service. And did you add new, or did you add a comb beam and now you're wanting to get mm -hmm. into different procedures? Did you, mm -hmm. did you build out a new op? Mm -hmm. Bring on an associate would raise that number. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just good and want to work four days. And, you, you know, that, right. yeah, that number has a lot of variability into I what's agree. going yeah. on in the dentist life and practice yeah absolutely absolutely and then the other thing you need to also consider is this right what's your attrition rate meaning how many people are you losing right whether it's just for convenience relocation or just the fact that they feel like the fees and services are too high 
that you practice. So when you're focusing on the new patient walk-ins or the count per month, um, you have to first at least be able to maintain status quo, which is your new number of patients that are walking in per month should equal to at least the attrition rate. Now, if there's a growth plan there, that's where the marketing company comes in and can help you, especially a dental-specific one. And that magic number, you may already know, should be between 15 to 20 for a practice of that size per month. Um, so focusing on that is also important. Now, I also mentioned the hygiene department, right? Now, it is true. Hygienists are like unicorns these days. You know, a lot has changed since the COVID years, as I like to call them. Um, their rates have gone up, and it really throws a wrench in these benchmarks. But still, I would say, and even though they have this one is to three ratio, which basically means that one third of whatever you're collecting should be coming from your hygiene department. Realistically speaking, even if it's around 28%-ish, uh, that's still good. Um, but again, you should never tell your hygiene department that. You should always say, you know, one third of that should be about this. Um, typically, a full-time hygienist should be able to help about 1,200 patients a year. Uh, so keeping a number, keeping an eye on those numbers is also imperative. Um, and again, now the reason why I always hammer on the hygiene department is because it's not just uh, one third of your uh, revenue that they're bringing in. You have to also understand your hygiene department is also very much responsible for the relationship dentistry part of it, right? The qualitative part of running your operations. Um, one thing that I always tell people is that when you are selling your treatment plan to a patient, let's say you're the owner and you're trying to sell that, uh, there's always in the back of their head, they're, they're thinking, oh, is there like a profit motive here? What if, you know, this dentist is overdiagnosing me right now? Mm -hmm. But when this patient is given the same treatment plan by a hygienist, which, and that person may just be an employee to the practice, um, the patient is more receptive to um, saying yes to the entire treatment plan. So uh, it's not just that one third, it also helps um, the whole practice uh, maintain their revenue and in some cases even increase their revenue in other areas as well. The other thing I also tell people is that when you're using your um, dental practice management software, I'm sure you're a good business owner, so you pull your day sheets and your production reports regularly. We hope when so. you do that, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're doing that, you have to be very careful and be on top of it, especially with the people that are entering these numbers, that the correct provider code is being used uh, when those... Uh, income revenue items are entered. So if, for instance, for the cleaning portion or the hygiene portion, make sure the hygienist is being listed down for the services that was provided by him or her. Um, then, you know, like I said, I mean, as a business owner, you want to see how your hygiene department is doing. And to be able to do that, you need to make sure that the data is being entered correctly into the software. I, I want to make sure I heard it. So the hygiene should be around a third, 33, 35% of total production, but you've seen some softening in that into the high 20s. Is that as correct? In the yeah, mid 20s. Yeah. I would say yeah. from where I'm sitting, like with our clients, we're seeing, at least with the healthy operations, about 30%. Now, I know there's like a lot of disclaimers I have to put every time I'm talking about benchmarks because I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, wait, what if you produce more than a million or what if you are a specialty? Owner. Of course, mm -hmm. the numbers are very different, but right now we're talking about the majority, right? 
which would be general dentists. And typically we see that, you know, the million dollar mark practices are more than some of the other big corporate ones, strictly from a volume perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So the big changes are you're seeing increased lab, uh, increased labor, <laughs> and a decrease in hygiene percentage of production. Yeah. So and that's, that's all bad news in 2023. Yeah, decrease in hygiene mostly because, you know, I've heard I've heard people tell me, oh, there are just no hygienists out there, Ash. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, that's not true. It just means you're not willing to pay them what they're asking for. Right. Or you, and, or you, I will say right now for us, the uh, other thing that probably contributes to a lower hygiene percentage mm -hmm. of production of the practice is cancellations. I, yeah. the offices, when we, and I hear Dennis say all the time, like get, get on the phone and challenge them when they call in and like, that's such a complex event because mm -hmm. the value of that appointment is not set when I call to tell you the lie about canceling. The value of that appointment was set months ago when the appointment was made and, mm -hmm. and the follow-up and things. And COVID certainly has changed the landscape of appointment cancellations. It is now just, you cannot challenge that any, mm -hmm. someone says, I can't come in because I'm not feeling well. I, you know, you just, okay, you're not feeling well. Um, and I, I think that's fine, but we are seeing cancellations still rampant on the hygiene schedules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and offices are not responding well to getting back to showing value in those appointments. And, and we're mm -hmm. seeing it across the board. So let me ask you this. So when you are seeing that across the board, uh, what do you think, in your opinion, the reason might be? I, I think it's a compounding event. Um, number one, I, I do think that consumer behavior has changed to some degree. We're just more casual about canceling. The second one, though, is the staff shortage that typically manifests itself in the front desk. I think we became lax around around the answering of phones, around uh, uh, around appointment cancellation, around these things. The third one is, uh, and I think this is the insidious one, when hygiene schedules started falling apart most offices begin to call people and try to fit in you know they started working a list they started having all trying to move appointments i think subconsciously and in, and in fact I, I think consciously perhaps when you start moving my appointments you empower me to move my own appointments so when you start moving me front and back and you start canceling me because the hygiene didn't come in and you this that front desk skill yeah. is lacking yeah. more than ever. Yeah, I agree. And let, let me try to tie in benchmarks into what you just said. I hear you and I completely understand what you're saying and where you're coming from. I guess from a business owner standpoint, it gets difficult for them to be able to get quality employees when they're trying to stick to that benchmark, right? That one third towards your team member expenses because a huge yeah. chunk of it went towards the hygiene department and they have to reduce the period in their hiring, right? It's like, okay, before I was going to hire someone for this much, but now I have to hire someone for this much. They don't have the experience or they're not as trainable. And I think that's where a lot of the difficulty comes in. Now, this does not mean that there's no other way to go about this, right? There are a multitude of things that can be done. 
it's a little bit of thinking outside of the box. You have to get out of that traditional way of thinking um, to still be able to do that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, I'll give you just a random example. You know, Maybe you're used to having uh, three front desk people helping you out with three assistants. Maybe you may need to uh, give find quality employees and uh, operate your front desk with two people and your dental at the back office with just two dental assistants and have them cross-train so that if someone's on PTO, then the other person can, you know, uh, go in there and help. And yes, this would mean you would have to pay them more than the industry standard, but in the long run, this can be sustained. The other thing to always pay attention to is to continuously maintain a healthy culture. That's something I'm sure you know, like employees these days, if you ever look at what's the number one thing they're looking for when they're looking for employment, it's no longer compensation, it's culture. Right. Culture. And what they, yeah. So what they mean by that is, I guess, in my interpretation is someplace that they like working, someplace they look forward to going to work to, right? And that also equates to less drama. Uh, now, this is just, again, my speculation. I feel like um, the lesser paid employees uh, equate to more drama. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, at least from what I've seen. So I've seen that people, the higher paid employees tend to be, uh, let's say, take, let's take front desk employee, for instance, they're, let's say, you know, um, members of ADOM and they're certified in a lot of their, uh, you know, just let's say the intake process, right? How to go about that, the communications, when you pick up the phone, how to address them, or insurance claims, how to handle them, how to pay attention to accounts receivables. I feel like even though they're paid more, they do a lot more. And the quality of work is much better as well. And um, I feel like it's a small price to pay for a dentist, you know, to be able to focus more on the clinical work as opposed to, you know, the management side of running a business. Uh, that's just my yeah. personal opinion. You're only as good as your worst employee. Mm-hmm. And because they're the ones who are talking to your patients too. If you can get Peyton Manning, you need to get Peyton Manning. Now, I know there's one Peyton Manning, but you need to swing for the best employee you can find at the roles mm-hmm. and you will grow into the, you know, your revenue will increase if you mm-hmm. have a great team around you. Mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. if you are going for cost, you're going to go for cost and you're going to, you know, you, I, I personally prefer to, of all the buckets you mentioned, even, even marketing, I, I want to be fair. I invest in my employees because I think that that is where that is who takes care of my pay, you know, my clients or my patients. Ash, thank you so much for everything. I'll put a link out to the site and, and, you know, we'll, we'll put some notes together to kind of talk about the trends, but this has been a great chat and I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure being here, Eric. Thank you.